0: Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of
1: your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you
0: care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. here too. Well, I know again, every episode we say we're excited, but it's really exciting to bring our friends on. And this gal is my bestie, bestie, bestie. I've been doing ride or die for a very long time. And today's episode is special because we're going to talk about mothers, daughters, and this is our Mother's Day episode. So I'm sure there's going to be laughter, tears, and a lot of in between, but we really want to... You know, dive into what it means to be a daughter, what it means to be a mother, how we're doing that across the generations, what it looks like, what we've learned, what are we doing the same, what are we doing differently. So I hope everyone will welcome my sweet friend, Martha Joyce. And Martha is coming to us from Powder Springs, Georgia. And we selected her because she's, um, she's of course had her mom. She's also a mother to a daughter. She's also a daughter-in-law to aging. Um, in-laws. And I realized just talking to these two friends of mine that we've been raised with very different scenarios. Don't you think, Christina? Yes, absolutely. Very
1: much so. And I have to say this, Martha Joyce is somebody who um, you talk about all the time when it comes to how we deliver it's true mother joyce you are on the hot table all the time um but it's uh, you know how how we deliver messages to our friends um how we can be a good in relation to the
0: enneagram you're gonna make her think i'm talking about her oh
1: no 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 no! it's all positive it's all positive um but it's it's very cool to see how much you value your relationship with Martha Joyce. And it's very cool to see that you guys have really had this longevity of friendship. That's absolutely beautiful. So I just wanted to say that because we hear about Martha Joyce all the time, and and people really don't know you. And this is an opportunity for them to get to know you. So we're excited for you to be here.
0: Martha has made me quit using her name as the enneagram <laughs> one. I just have to refer her as test subject number one. So, <laughs> welcome, my dear friend Martha Joyce, to the stage. Hey, Martha. Hey, girl. Hey. hey <laughs> so,
2: girl, you know, Christina, you are um, her podcast friend and bestie yes. but there is nothing like the IRL <laughs> in the bestie business and I think we're going on 25 26
1: years wow
0: mm-hmm.
1: wow mm-hmm.
0: that's such a long and we've time we've been through the seasons mm-hmm. that's what makes it so special we've Martha threw the baby shower when Ethan was born <laughs> oh my gosh that's how far oh, yeah complete, wow. Pre- complete
2: with the 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 pink Cadillac cake with a baby in the back seat.
0: (laughs) She's the best hostess with the mostest. And you know what I love too? Our husbands are friends. I know her kids. And it's funny that both of our daughters, my stepdaughter, her biological daughter, have wound up not only living in Atlanta, but both living in the East Village and living two streets apart. Now, what are the chances? That that, is so crazy. That's so so
1: random, but not, you know, it's just, it's no surprise to me. Honestly, it's no surprise to me that they would end up so close together.
0: (laughs) It's obvious that that's where kids of cool parents have gone to live. That's what it is. The East
1: Village. We're going to
0: jump into this. And we want to say that whether you're a mother or daughter, happy Mother's Day. You know it's mm-hmm. it can be a sensitive day, especially if you've lost your mom, if you never had children. And we're never trying to be exclusive here, um, so we just know we're sending everybody love and hugs, whatever your situation is. I mean, they can and, be a dog mom. Yeah,
1: you know,
0: and you may be a great, a wonderful aunt. Aunts mm-hmm. do a great job helping parent and raise children sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Let's just jump in. I want to know, and we'll start with you, Martha. And I just, in fair disclosure, Martha has recently lost her mom. So this is a little sensitive. And I I have asked, and she is willing to do this today. I did not make her, force her. Um, I have talked her into some things in the past. This is not one of them. <laughs> but um, this will be her first Mother's Day without her mom. So if she is teary, we're going to be understanding. I just want to lay that out there. But... Martha, what kind of relationship did you have with your mom?
2: Well, um, in the uh, years that I was a child, uh, we butted heads quite a bit. I think we were both pretty strong-willed personalities. And I'll tell you, my mom was just a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And she um, she modeled for me overcoming a lot of difficulties and all the things that uh, made up part of our childhood. Um she divorced my dad um, uh, due to some uh, mental illness and there was problems and in, in, that did not make that a great marriage. And so she modeled to me being the strong one who knew what she wanted out of her life. And then she ended up marrying the great love of her life. And um, but she, our relationship was kind of tumultuous in the teenage years and in the college years when she was dating and remarrying. And then as I, Became a newlywed and a new mom, and all of that. We were super close, and I I valued um, her advice and just her friendship. And then in these later years, um, prior to her passing, she would call me her best friend, and we would talk nearly every day by phone. And uh, and, and when, uh, right before she passed, she was moving to be ten minutes from me so that we could be the besties doing the the her later years together. So.
0: Yeah, probably the similar to some of And you know what is so interesting? When you're friends with someone so long, and their mom is such a big part of their life, like, I've had dinner with Nita. I've spoken to <laughs> Nita. And like, you know, she she became part of my life as well. And I just loved Nita. And um, mm-hmm. I loved the friendship, because I'll tell you more about my situation, but that friendship is just... And the way that y'all would go do things together. I think that's very special. Mm. So, Christina? Family. Mm. Yeah, we'll circle back. So, what kind of situation? I
1: just have to say this. Like, when she said at the end her mom said that she was her best friend, I was like, that is just so beautiful. And it's what I believe a mom and daughter aspire to be you know and it's just so beautiful anyway sorry it's beautiful i just think i'm I'm the one over here bawling she's a mess
0: already that (laughs) didn't take long
1: (laughs) well it's just it's 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 just a beautiful tapestry of what their relationship became and so i just i love it thank you for sharing that um so, Gail, what was your question?
0: So, sorry. <laughs> what What kind of mother did you have? Were you friends? Was she a matriarch? Was she what, – what was this relationship?
1: Gosh. Okay. So, I saw and my – And she's m- still living. Yes. My mom is still alive. Uh, I saw my mom as being uh, very observant, quiet, um, uh, a servant. And, uh, and so that was, that was what I saw when I was younger. Uh, my dad was the disciplinarian in, 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 our household. And I think my dad and I tend to butt heads more than my mom and I did. Um, uh, but my mom, I noticed her to start to change as I, I went into my high school years and, you know, on into my twenties, I noticed a shift in her, personality. It was just kind of like she was coming into her own. She she gained a voice, I felt like. She had um, friends around her that would encourage her to find a voice and to kind of say, hey, you know, like, I don't like that. Or, um, you know, just giving her opinion on things. Whereas when I was younger, I didn't see that. Um, and now my mom is, she, you know, she's, a, she's fun, um, spunky, um, and, and our relationship is growing. Let's just say that. Our relationship is growing. I'm learning to become friends with my mom instead of it being, you know, this parent-child relationship. It's now a friendship. So um, I'm in the midst of that, Gail. And so that's, that's what I can say about us.
0: Yeah. Now, you were a daddy's girl, right?
1: Uh, I... Yeah, probably. I I would say that I was probably more, you know, I my dad I understood me that more. I
0: think impacts our relationship with our moms if yes. you're a female and you're a daddy's girl. Yeah. Well, my mom Stella, we just refer to her Stella. That she never went by that name, but that was her name. She, we were not really friends, um, just because that's not who she was. My mom didn't really have any friends. She's a very isolatory person and incredibly introverted. Hmm. and she had trauma in her childhood. Her dad was an alcoholic, and he was a violent alcoholic, like held him at gunpoint kind of thing. And I don't know if she was born this way to be kind of shy and timid. Now, don't confuse that with strength, because we realize my mom's passed, and she will have been gone 10 years this August, Martha. Can you believe that? 10 years. years. and. We saw how much strength she really had, because I think we misname people when people are introverted or shy. We think they're weak, mm-hmm. and they can be some of the strongest people you know, and we really saw that. But my mom always played second fiddle kind of to my dad. My dad was very extroverted character, liked to talk, liked to be the center of attention. He was the breadwinner. My mom was the stay-at-home mom. That was the deal. But my mom never complained about that. My mom was very content. This is my role. This is what I do. I don't complain about it. I just do it. She didn't long to do anything different. She wasn't one to sit around and say, well, one day or someday. It just wasn't who she was. And that contentedness was so puzzling to me growing up. But I'll tell you what, she was not a pushover. Because my dad was more usually the one to give us the spankings, and we got them, like, with a belt. But my mom was the one who, if she said something, she's not changing her mind. Mm -hmm. No amount of tears, whining, manipulation was going to change that woman's mind. So she was sort of this stoic creature to a point. But as far as friends, like, she wasn't the one to go get a pedicure with. Or anything like that, and I would not have talked to her about my deepest, darkest thoughts. It just wasn't, just wasn't who she was, and not our relationship. And I, I'm saddened by that sometimes. But we all we all have gifts in our relationships, and we all have things that we would have longed for, and we don't get everything we wanted. My mom was a good mom; she certainly took very good care of us in the home. But I had to look for friendship, and really that. Um, Uber nurturing kind of thing. She was she was nurturing to a point, but then there's the line, and we're not going any further with that. (laughs) So with that said, Martha, what was it like to have a mom who is truly your friend? I mean, the amount of trust there had to be just so that just must have made Mm -hmm. you feel so comfortable because other friends come and go. Your mom only goes when she leaves this earth. So <clears throat> to have a friend who is also your mom, I just can't imagine what that's like.
2: Well, um, as I mentioned just, you know, earlier, uh, she separated from my dad when I was 16, and I became her little 16-year-old confidant. Mm-hmm. Some of that may not have been as healthy, um, but I could see the issues between them. I lived it for 16 years. And with him out of the house, um, she needed me to talk to. And so I became her little confidant (laughs) and, and then as she started dating and at 19, when I was 19, she remarried and, and she still uh, maybe overshared with me about her, but her budding romance. I mean, she was very excited about that, but all along, like, did she 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 talk about um, sex
1: I was just going to ask
2: that. (laughs) um, no, no, no. Uh, except that she would always have a big smile on her face.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) See, my mom went to her grave having never confessed to any sexual activity in her entire life. Oh,
2: no, this, (laughs) I was, it was pretty clear that my mother was very happy and content. Uh, and she was pretty proud of that because I I think her, the first marriage was not a contented marriage, Mm -hmm. but anyway, um being her friend, um, meant that sometimes I felt like she overshared and maybe Mm -hmm. things that were not quite what I was ready for in my little teenage years, but I look back and I, I'm thankful. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I learned a, a lot from her and, um, but man, she was, she was fearless and, um, And she was an extrovert where I am introverted, and her extrovertedness would sometimes drive me crazy because she would talk to everybody. You couldn't walk anywhere to a store, into church, into anything where Nita didn't know somebody or would instantly, you know, make a friend and then try to encourage me (laughs) to join the conversation. But, you know, the the real friendship part, I think, began to form when I I had our first child. And... She wanted to help me mother,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and and I needed help, right? Nobody comes with a you know, baby's instructions, and she was like right there in the delivery room, coaching and cheering, and you know, <laughs> nice. the baby's almost here, and that she that was probably part of her her proudest part of our friendship was. You know, me being pregnant, me having our baby, um, she did grieve with me for the year that it took for us to get pregnant. And every month, you know, she would call and I would say, yep, negative test. And I would cry. And um, this is fun fact. I actually had gone to my doctor's office to start a round of progesterone to get pregnant and start taking a um, fertility drug. And they did a pregnancy test and told me right then that I was pregnant. And I was headed to my mom's house for dinner to meet my husband. And so I couldn't, I was hope, hoping to contain myself, waiting on David to get there. We and, He and I went into the kitchen. I closed the doors to tell him, and we both are crying. And my mom tells me later, she's in the living room with her husband. And she said, oh, no, Martha had another negative test. I just can't bear this. <laughs> and then when I came out and said, you're going to be a grand- grandmother. It was like the most joyous. I'm getting goosebumps right now. Mm -hmm. Just her joy was huge. And her pride in me, y'all, she always affirmed me and wrote these glowing letters. And oh, while I was in college, she would always send these cards and letters, you know, telling me how proud she was of me. And she always called me her little rosebud um, because
0: when (laughs) I was born.
1: I know. I'm (laughs) like, (laughs) this is like.
2: (laughs) So beautiful. Neato I was a forceps awesome. baby. She had to, they had to remove me with forceps. So my head was purply bruised. And she said, I looked like a beautiful rosebud to her. So to her death, she called me her little rosebud. Mm-hmm. And I have every year these birthday cards that she would hand make. Okay. Cause she loved. She had too. some materials. Wow. <laughs> she
0: did.
2: Um, yeah. So it was sometimes maddening in my earlier teenage years. Like why was she this attached to me? And then you become a mother and you see how much you love that child. And I just could see how that was her pride and her joy in having me um, as her, her daughter. I do have two younger brothers. I am the favorite. Um, (laughs) And that, that was beautiful to me. And then the way I wanted to be that kind of mother to my daughter and
0: am. (laughs) Wow. So you did want to go for it. That's that's where we're mm. going to go soon. Um, so many things you said there are just kind of shocking to me because like, my mom wasn't in the delivery room. She want to be in the delivery room. Um, it just wasn't that kind of relationship that would have seemed odd for her. Um, that she she was so private. Like to get in your personal space that much would have been very foreign and let me Mm. preface all this by saying I also have no sisters so I think this relationship with my mom as great a mom as she was this this not really intimacy on a friend level and not having sisters has made me seek out friendships in a different way in fact Martha Price says if she doesn't leave me alone she calls me all the time but (laughs) The, you're, you are my people. I don't have a mother. I don't have a mother-in-law. I don't have sisters. Um, I don't have a biological daughter. And it it's a different way than those of you who have had all of that. And sometimes I'm very jealous of that. And then I think, oh, then they get in a fight with their sister. So maybe this is not that great. But what about you, Christina?
1: Uh, about what? (laughs) I'm sorry. I was just in the moment with you guys. She's all caught up in
0: in Martha's story. I
1: am. I am. Because I, I, I just, I think that her mom just did such a beautiful job displaying her love for her. And it's just like, gosh, we need to, to bottle that up and emulate that to our daughters, you know, because we're growing up, they're growing up in this In this fast-paced culture that you know wants you to perform, 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 and her mom was like, "I don't need," you're like she came out with purple bruises on her face, and she's like, "You're beautiful, rosebud." Like seriously, well, you know,
0: there's something very uh, so charming and loving about little pet names pet names and names I never had one I can't remember them calling me any kind of kind sentimental name it's just not who they were and that affirmation I will tell you Mm -hmm. Martha always be so grateful for that because I've always grown up feeling like I wasn't good enough that they always wanted more or something different or something Mm
1: -hmm. something that wasn't
0: me I always felt like a little bit of a misfit Mm -hmm. um Especially my brother, he did the right things. He went to Georgia Tech, he was on the Dean's list, those kind of things. And I've been the other child. And, you know, to not be affirmed, you know, I think we as children always want to be affirmed by our parents. We always want to know that they're proud mm-hmm. and that they're glad we're their child. And I don't know that I would say that I really feel that maybe my mom more than my dad, that they would say, I am so glad she's my child, or I'm so proud that she's my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important if you're listening out there and you're still parenting children, affirm them not just for what they do, but for who they are as a person. Because my parents were very good at congratulating and um, wanting you to do well in things and being proud of that. But I never felt like this affirmation of who I was as a person, like she's nice or she's kind or she's dependable or I just love her. It was more about the accolades. So I grew up with that kind of currency that I had to perform and I had to be great at everything to be worthy of love and to have friends and to do all the things. And it makes you get in that type A personality kind of living where you feel like that's your value is yeah. production, um, accomplishment, you know, um, doing everything very well. And that can really be, you don't necessarily love yourself sometimes when you're living that way because you, you don't know what that even looks like or means. You think this is all that matters. Right. So what you got to say about all that, Christina, friendship, friendship, you mm. have a growing friendship with your mom, and I love that yeah. your mom is open to that and wants that, and that there's still time for you. It, it,
1: yeah, it's, you know, so I have a sister, um, and their relationship to me is not the relationship that I want with my mother. And... I have to look at what do I want that relationship to look like? What does that mean to me? And, you know, we're going on a trip. I'm taking her on a trip. And it was a trip that her and my dad were were supposed to do. And I just decided this would be a good time to really get to know my mom. You know, get to know her without, the, you know, her and my sister. You know, get to know my mom without, the grandchildren get to know my mom without my dad, but just really get to know my mom. Who are you? What makes you tick? And, you know, ask those questions that, you know, I didn't get an opportunity to ask my dad. Because, you know, when that time comes and you're sitting there and they're on – they're on that last leg, you start to think about all the things that you didn't get an opportunity to ask. And so I think that's where I'm going with my mom. I I hope that she's open to um, that type of relationship with me. And I think she is. I do
0: think there's something different too about when one of the partners is gone. Yeah. My dad's been very different. Some good ways. My dad became actually more loving and actually told us he loved us after my mom died. More so. He's become more affectionate in that way, um, more needy in other ways. But, you know, to see them outside of that role as a spouse, that's something we've never known usually mm-hmm. with our parents. You know, we've known them our lives being a spouse and being a parent. And now that they're not raising kids, they're not a spouse. That's a different side of them. And, yeah. and that can be very interesting.
1: It is, you know, especially when they've had them for so long. It's like they had that person to lean on or to take some of that role, you know, some part of that role where you don't have to solely focus. Well, they were a pair. There really wasn't
0: separation or demarcation between them. That's right. Mine were a very united front, almost Mm -hmm. most Mm -hmm. things. Um, Now, Martha brought up, you both said something interesting And I even alluded to it too. We've all talked about siblings. I'm sorry, I'm getting some congestion going on. This has been a long recording day and pollen's everywhere, But so excuse my coughs. But Martha said she was the favorite. Christina said she did <laughs> not want the relationship that her sister has. And I referenced my brother being the golden child. So I think we all have these relationships with our siblings that are often based on our parents and or at least partially based on our parents. Martha's good; she's the favorite, so she probably doesn't, <laughs> so she have, doesn't have, to say. have any.
1: She doesn't have any problems.
0: <laughs> so we For, see why you're. <laughs> we see why her life is good, and she's so level-headed. And the rest of us over here, there seems to all three of us be almost um, without saying the word, but some competitive nature there. And I'm curious about that, because especially, Christina, you having a sister, I don't know Mm -hmm. how you wouldn't compare the relationship she has with your mom. Like, when you have brothers, like Martha has brothers, too, we can differentiate between, well, they're a boy, I'm a girl. And I know my parents have treated us differently based on that. Like, um, I'll just be honest, like, I'm the older sibling, but my brother is the... uh, Executor of my dad's will, because he's the male. And my dad had a business growing up and I was never asked to come work in the family business in the summer or anything, even answer the phone or anything, but my brother did. And mm. my brother would probably report that wasn't always great. But there was a difference in how we were treated and some of the relationship there. So yeah. what do y'all say about that, Martha? Competitive with your brothers? <laughs> You're the um. favorite. So I guess you they're probably the ones to ask about this.
2: Well, I think it was because Mom and I always did things together. So we would go shopping together. Uh, she would teach me how to hide the packages before we got back in the house so my brothers wouldn't be jealous that we had bought all this stuff. Oh, <laughs> we goodness. would leave stuff in the trunk of the car because she didn't want um, either oh. my dad or our brothers to see So you
1: did. So your mom was like my mom with my sister. That's exactly what my mom and my sister we were do. We kind of
0: little so let me get this straight. There. Your mom was buying you things, but not buying it for your brothers? Correct. Oh, no, I see, that couldn't shopping. have happened at our house. No, <laughs> not in that way. Not You know, if there's a blue jeans, we're probably both going to get a pair of blue jeans. They were very even about that stuff, but in a weird kind of way. There was never any let me no. indulge you and buy you something. It was just very transactional.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Christina, I what mom, about you?
2: I, hmm. Go ahead, I, Martha. I was going to say, I just think that mom and I were just like that together. And I think my brothers probably would would tell you that she loved them too. I know she did. Um, but she didn't hide things like that. <laughs> with uh, How do you I know? I don't think so. I, <laughs> I started to know. say. Well, <laughs> well, maybe. I bro- don't know. Well, my brothers and I have had some great conversations since her passing. And we do we do talk. And are, we're all super close now. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that was one thing that mom really wanted us to be. And I'll just say that, that she didn't want it to look like she had favorites, but she wanted each of us to know that she loved us each, but she wanted us to love each other and to be family. And I think that was her greatest joy. When she remarried, um, her husband had two children, that were teen, teens about our age. And she wanted us all to be this one big, happy family, blended family. And then as grandchildren came along, it was her greatest joy that we would all come together at Christmas Eve at her house and have the huge big family, you know, chaos, uh, because that was her joy. Is she wanted us to love each other so much, and um, and we are. We, I'm, well, my step-siblings with are not quite in my life right now, I haven't been since her passing, mm. but my brothers and I, I've, I'm super close.
0: Mm. Love it, love it, love it. Me what too. about you, Christina? Is competitiveness there? A comparison, at least.
1: I would say uh, y- y- uh, I-, I have to be careful <laughs> how I how I say this because sometimes my mom listens and sometimes their friends listen. So. Um, I have felt that you know my mom has a favorite and it's my sister we all know that we all joke about it um, but it's because of how they bonded together and and I have recognized that now um, that I don't want that kind of bond with my mom because I choose to live on a on a different playing field um, so competitive, maybe in my younger years now it's an awareness of hey i don't i don't like the way that looks i don't want to have to you know hide packages or you know tell tell you that you know she didn't come over or you know she she didn't buy me something you know i just i don't i don't like that it's 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 not healthy and it's it's not I don't like it. It's kind of ugly. So um, now it's more of an awareness of what I choose to engage in. Does does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and I think as we mature and we fill Mm -hmm. our lives with other relationships, we can let some of that go a little bit more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you just have to. Sometimes you have to realize my parent is not capable of X. X, Y, mm-hmm. or Z, whatever it is. And because they're people and they're not perfect. That's right. And it doesn't mean we don't love them or they don't love us but Exactly. Sometimes there's just roles they cannot fulfill that maybe other, like, my mom was not going to be out going to the theater and getting pedicures with me. If Nita was called <laughs> to go get a pedicure, she'd have been waiting at the curb with her satchel. I mean, she would have been ready. Right, what time are you coming, Martha? And can we go to lunch too? My mom yeah. wasn't want to yes. go to lunch. It just wasn't who she was. Yeah. So, the last question in this part I want to talk about is how your mom's handled the conversations around your menstrual period and menopause, hmm. childbearing, sex, because I think and we've said this before on our show and this conversation may bear it out somewhat i think gen x is going to be a generation where things changed where there was a pivot in how we talked to our daughters and how we talked as a society how we talked publicly about these kind of things so like, Martha, growing up, was she open about sex? Did she talk to you about your period? Did she share with you her <laughs> menopause experience? If you
1: guys can see Martha Joyce's face right now, her eyes got really big, like, mm, oh, okay, just wait for it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, she, you know, you had the class, um, sex ed class in school, and um, and she says to me, um, I know that you know now, and there are pads and belts in the hall closet for the sanitary pads and the belts, the old style the belts. Okay, older yep.
0: The belts. We'll be the, the last generation you, to know what a sanitary belt was, too. <laughs> oh Lord, <yeah>. I <laughs> never had a sanitary it.
1: belt. So yes, okay. Okay,
2: <laughs> and but then yet I knew that she had tampons, um, and I was curious, but she never explained that. But I'm. These were the old tampons. They were in a plastic packaging that really crinkled. And so, um, funny story. So my mom was a huge sugar candy freak. She would eat candies like those little cinnamon disc candies and all that. And she would have them stashed all over the house. And she would forbid my brothers and me to get into it. And so one day she's in the bathroom obviously opening a tampon and my brothers are outside, they go, I knew it.
0: She hides candy in the bathroom too. <laughs> oh, well. Or she might've been putting cinnamon up her hoo-ha. <laughs> no, I don't.
2: Do not think so. But, you know, she, she never really talked to me about that. And I was a late bloomer um, and did not start a cycle till I was 16. Wow. And, and so, yeah, so it was kind of a, um, I figured some things out through friends and girlfriends but no she didn't talk about that no she did not talk about sex
0: um at that time except that I wasn't supposed to have it <laughs> so and even then, when your period was delayed and and, and that no. can still that she wasn't saying Mm-mm. maybe we should talk to the doctor no she wasn't talking, about it. No, she
2: wasn't talking about it I was I Well, yes, she knew. Yeah, I was super thin and an athlete. And so she didn't, I guess she thought that was probably pretty normal uh, to be a late bloomer for me. You know, I didn't have boobies or anything like that.
0: (laughs) Um, At least she knew you weren't going to be pregnant either, so.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And she did not talk about sex, um, did not talk about menopause. Mm. You know, it's, that was interesting. Even though we were super close about things, um, I guess that was her generational difference, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting. Um, what about you, Christina?
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I was an early bloomer. Um, I started, I think I started at like 11, 11 years old. I started my period. And I remember my mom goes, oh, she started her period. And, you know, nobody told me that I wasn't supposed to wear white with, you know, this big old pad. And so learned that lesson from my family. They were like, "Ah, oh, you're on your period. I'm like, But, you know, it's totally embarrassing. um. And uh, sex, it was just like, don't do it. But yet, you know, they got me on birth control. I think I was like 14.
0: (laughs) Oh, really? I I don't know. 14, 14,
1: 15. It was, well, listen, you guys, I've had a hard life. You know, even though I come from a really good family, I had a hard life. And I, I chose that life. Um, and, uh, and so they were like, well, we just gotta, we gotta do something so she doesn't have babies, you know? So,
0: (laughs) so they, they put you on the pill as a response to your behavior.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then menopause, you know, the only, the only thing they told me, the only thing she told me about the change is like, she would sweat in bed. She's like, I'm hot. And then she would show me her stomach. Look at this. (laughs) <laughs> like, oh, oh, God, is that what my future looks like? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you guys, like, I love my mom to death. She is the funniest person. If you guys follow me on IG, you'll see she's she she will just she will do funny stuff all the time. I if Nita was still her.
0: here, I have. I'm confident Nita yeah. would have appeared in a reel by now. Oh,
1: absolutely! It's, it sounds <laughs> to me, Stella she Irene.
0: Would have. Stella Irene probably was much like that. Hear her,
2: her. We,
0: Yeah, she might have done it on her own. No, Stella <laughs> Irene would have covered her face if you even brought out a camera. I mean, she appears in very few photos.
1: Oh, so yeah. different. So different. Okay, so
0: funny story. <laughs> Stella Irene ordered me this kit from Cotex. <laughs> <laughs> and inside the kit were four books and they went through like you know your periods all the way up to sex so sex book was number four and it also had some samples of their fine Cotex products and we should get a Cotex <laughs> sponsorship over this because my friend and I at the time like the kind of, we just lived different childhoods because, you know, everybody has those plastic little talks playhouses and stuff. We had a playhouse when we got a new appliance or someone we knew got an appliance. It was called the (laughs) box for a refrigerator or a, you know, washer and dryer. So we had these, I think we got a new washer and dryer. And so we had put the two boxes together. So we had this long playhouse and we were very happy, proud of it. And I remember my next door neighbor, Cindy, and I would go out to the playhouse and over our clothes we would practice the sanitary belt. Because Christina, <laughs> this was a like engineering marvel that you had to tie up the pad into the belt and, and slip the belt on. It it was oh. like if the you name a, Schwaddler... garter
2: Yeah, garter belt holding up a pad.
0: Oh my gosh. But it we wasn't there was museum. nothing sexy about it. <laughs> I mean Well, nobody's nobody's, nobody's having
1: sex during that time anyway, so it doesn't
0: matter. The (laughs) stick-ons came before I actually uh, had my menses. But we would go out there and we would read these books because it was highly secret, you know. So it was a girl's only thing. So we'd go in this little playhouse and try on the belt and read the book. (laughs) But mom kept book number four, the one about sex. I couldn't have that until a few years later. Uh. And I remember when she gave me the book. And she told me what sex was. And she here's the way she described it. Now, when you get married on your wedding night, you know, you'll do this thing. And I just remember saying, I'm never getting married then. And I went off to my bedroom crying because my mom's not saying, oh, you're going to have hormones. She's going to get all juicy and you're going to want to get it on with some. Guy. That was not the way this was presented. Oh it was presented like some kind of ritual. And she's talking about the hymen and bleeding. I'm just like crying in my bedroom after it was never discussed again ever
1: (laughs) they probably thought that that reaction was just appropriate to never talk about it again she was like she could have
0: presented (laughs) it she did not present it as a good thing she presented more of like you're gonna have to do this thing on your wedding night that's the way it sounded not like I was gonna do it all the time or even want to do it so it was a very interesting presentation by Stella Irene but here's the thing and she is going to roll in her grave when I say this on this podcast. The way I knew my parents had sex is because they would close their door. And they usually didn't close the door. So they closed the door. And then my mom would come out and go to the bathroom, be in there a while. Then my dad would come out and go to the bathroom. <laughs> we only had one growing up. It was across the hall from. And oh then Lord. when I went, <laughs> you're going to die. You better not have <laughs> be thinking in your I mouth. Later, when I went in there. An old fashioned douche, like the ones that look like a hot water bottle, would be hanging in the shower. (laughs) Now you're so private, but you hang a douche in the shower, I mean, to drain. It was like, and I'm standing there in the shower looking at that and wondering, (laughs) what is that? so I started to put these things what together just that happened? when the door closes that, cause back in that day, that's what they thought, you know, you had to douche to be clean. Now they don't even sell douches. I don't think Mm-mm. cause they decided they were terribly bad They're for unhealthy.
1: you. unhealthy, super unhealthy.
0: Then I remember the time that we were not allowed in my parents' room. You just didn't go in there. Weren't allowed. Period. Just did not go. It's not like we ever went in, jumped in bed with him in the morning. You were not allowed in that room. That was it. So I remember when I finally got old enough that my parents let me stay home alone. And we were like probably 13. I mean, our parents just, my mom was there all the time. And she went to the grocery store or something. And I went in there and started looking through their drawers. You know, just, it's been off what's in this room of magic, you know. And I remember (laughs) the top drawer had condoms. And I was like, oh, my, gross, condom. These people are sick. I remember just being so. So from then on over the years, I would check the condom supply and see what was going on in their sex life. (laughs) You're terrible. And that's all I knew about their sex life because my mom and dad never admitted to any sex. There's two children. That's all we know. She had, as far as I know, no problems with her. Periods like I had bad problems, I had terrible cramps, had to go to the doctor as a teenager and get like 800 milligram ibuprofen before it was even available over the counter. I just really struggled. And then my pregnancies were very different. I was really morning sick, and then I would have these, you know, long, long labors. And my mom just never talked about it, as far as I'm concerned. She got pregnant, they fell out, and it was fine. And then the same thing with menopause, it was referred to as the change. She never talked about it, and that was that. And so I think most of us, I'm going to go to Christina. You said not really discussed,
1: right, Mm -hmm. Mm in a pause.
0: Martha says the same thing. I wonder why that was other than just a generational thing. Because, you know, the generation before that wouldn't even discuss pregnancy. You were with child, right. and you know you didn't show your belly much. You stayed home a lot. You know you certainly didn't wear a bikini. It seems like every generation we're seeing some change and forward progress. So, with that in mind, I want you guys to tell me how you've talked about sex, periods, and menopause with your kids. Now, Martha, I know because you've told me about your com- that you you confronted. <laughs> You, you've been, you've been like, cause and Martha's an Enneagram One, she's got to go by the directions, you know. So <laughs> how have you handled it with your kids? Well,
2: so when uh, my daughter started her period earlier in middle school and, and I know that we had talked about it. We had the American Girl book about your body mm-hmm. <laughs> that I had given her and it was all very simple terms. And so she had read that. Um, I think, I don't think she didn't really want to talk about that. Um, but then it just, I don't know. I think she, she and I just have like a really cool trusting relationship. And so when it happened, we dealt with it, figured it out, figured out what she could use a pad for. And then she played competitive tennis. So had to figure out how to use tampons. Actually, I think her friends, her best friends, we were on a church youth trip. And that's when the first time she tried a tampon. That's when everything happens. Girls go in the bathroom together, and then they're figuring it out, right? And well, you know
0: that's you interesting know, too. Because happy. did your mom talk to you about tampons? No, no. It was no. either. I, now, I don't know if my mom them. said this or it was inferred or implied. I thought that was only for women who had had sex already. Did y'all have that impression? No, no, I thought, I guess I thought maybe your hymen would have had to have been broken to use tampons. For some reason, that was associated with kind of loose women in my mind. Well,
1: I, I was, I was just thinking like it would hurt or it, she, she would talk to me about the, you know, the toxic shock syndrome and I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm never using those because I was always i have never had sex.
0: You're never using tampons. (laughs) (laughs) Tampons weren't. I don't think they were as fully accepted back then as they are now. Am I wrong? I think. I I don't know that my mom ever used a tampon. It's okay. We have dogs bark. It's okay. Martha's um, dog pound is getting active. (laughs) Did Did your mom use tampons? My mom. Well, you said Martha. Crinkling paper. I don't. I don't know if my mom ever used a tampon. I can't remember, maybe middle age. I'm trying to remember. But yeah. Yeah. you know, it's interesting because you know, we started with the sanitary belt. Now we're all the way to OB. You know, that's a big, <laughs> that's a drastic oh, difference. Always, you know,
1: I was always afraid of the OB because I was like, are you going to stick your finger up there?
0: Like, Oh, it's oh, the best. They are the best kind, it. hands down, best <laughs> kind, best kind. I'm telling you. So, Martha, you. And your daughter I knew very Mom close. used tampons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. We are. So what do you want to know? Well, I mean, you talked <laughs> to her about to it, and <laughs> when she when she got her menses, she came to you directly, or did she go to her friends? Mm-hmm. No, she
2: came to me directly, and I think it happened at school. I'm pretty sure, and I think that a friend helped her out. And then when she came home, we we discussed it, and she was all in tears. This is going to happen every month. Yes, yes, dear. Um,
1: <laughs> the the rude yeah, awakening. <laughs>
2: Yeah, she, and she played competitive sports, and so I think we pretty quickly transitioned to tampons. And she was fearful of that, and I talked her through it. And I think, I think her friends at the church trip told her she should try it, and then we, yeah, she quickly changed over to that. She's going to hate that I'm talking about this.
0: I know. I'm trying to be <laughs> delicate because I know she's private, and we're sorry. We love you. I'm not even going to say her name. She'll kill us all. But we love you, and we're just, it's just, nobody knows your name. It's not on yeah, the mm-hmm. World Wide Web. So, Christina, me, our, you our kids have don't a like boy.
1: It. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You have a I son have a, and
0: stepdaughter, bonus daughter. So tell me about that. Do. How do you talk to them about uh, these things? Uh,
1: so so as far as, like, you know, the menstru- menstruation goes, you know, uh, my daughter came into my life when she was already there. Um However, she really struggled with a lot of things that were going on with her body. She was in tennis and softball, so she was an athlete as well. And there were just some things that were happening with her body that she was just uh, unsure of. So we did a lot of research, her dad and I, and then also her mom. And um, we got her on, you know, some things that would help with all the other things that were going on with her. And so now she's pretty, you know that wasn't a big conversation in our house. Um as far as my son goes, you know, he knew mom was on her period and he would say certain things like, "Oh, mom, are you like what is going on? Mom, I'm on my period." <laughs> ah, you know. So he's he knew like okay, when a female is on their period, we just need to kind of give them a little bit of love or just walk away from the situation that he's very girl. aware like when when his girlfriend is on her period he's all yeah she's just on her period Mom you know that's very interesting given her because
0: some space <laughs> he learned and they do need to know some he of did. this we may have to work on our presentation a little bit but yeah, yeah. um I had yeah I only have sons So my second son, we homeschooled. So we were able to wrap some of this up in science class, science and health. So we could talk about it, you know, by the book kind of thing. But I did, you know, was open with him about having cramps and things like that. And then my older son, he was 13 when the younger was born. So not much hiding that we were having sex and that mom was pregnant and here's a baby. And, um, So we kind of had a real life biology class there. Um, But I always felt like that said a lot about um, that. I didn't have to say much to my son and my bonus daughter about um, birth control because here you go. You've got your brother. If this doesn't make you cross those legs or use protection, I don't know what will. Um, Because they did get to experience it. You know, the crying, all the stuff. It wasn't just a cute cuddly. So I was always kind of grateful for that. Um, My boys are pretty. My older son is always been pretty open with me about things. My younger son, to a point, I think they're both very sensitive, their girlfriends, about stuff like that. Maybe it's because I did have such trouble with cramps, and I would just say, Mommy, you know, I feel terrible. I'm, I'm having cramps, mm-hmm. da da da. Um, and I've been very open with Ethan, like about menopause, you know, I don't feel well, I am mm-hmm. sweating to death, I am dying over here, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll say too that um, my incident at the Verizon store next to wherever we were, where I got up and the chair was bloodied, Ethan was with me that day, so I'm sure he noticed something's wrong, she's hemorrhaging here, Um so I think they both experienced it. And we've tried to be very open about things. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is say things in front of the kids about Dan and I. Like, that just makes me happy because they do so mean things to us if I can get, like, get them back. But the funny thing was that I had these boys, and, you know, I wasn't prepared with much about the period. Didn't order any kits from Kotex. Yeah. And, at the time, our bonus daughter didn't come very often, um, but she lived two hours away from us. And she was one of her visits in the summer. I can't remember if she was, I think she was there for the week. And guess what? On my watch, we have a period. And she did tell me, and I'm like, my goodness I mean I felt kind of honored oh my goodness I'm getting to do this rite of passage but I was also very I'd not have prepared a speech I haven't a prepared a gift because I'm thinking <laughs> how cool it would be if you had daughters like to have a gift bag with all the supplies in it and give it to them I, I just think that'd be so cool and her dad certainly had made zero preparations because you know <laughs> She's with her mom. But, you know, the funny thing over the years, I think if she had to talk to somebody about something along those lines, I think she would talk to me over her mom or her dad because we just, um, we kind of had that little start out of the gate there together. And I could be wrong, but I know when she had her first boyfriend, she came come and told me before she yeah. told the others. And that was so honoring because that's been a, was for a long time a very rocky relationship. It's interesting what binds you. And at the time, it was very rocky when she started this period. So I'm thinking, oh, very funny, God. That's very funny. And it was summertime. So, of course, we're trying to swim. So it was a rodeo. I was like, oh, this is going to mess everything up. But um, I think I'm hearing from all of us that we've probably been more open with our kids than our parents were with us. Yeah, And even about, I I know with my kids, we even say, I tell my boys, if you're going to be using it, make sure you're wrapping it. I mean, we're very open about it. We say that out loud (laughs) all Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. Just because Mm -hmm. I don't think anything's held by keeping it all secretive.
1: Well, and I I was just having a conversation with my godmother about this, you know, with the way that I was raised and um, how they didn't say too much, especially like when it came to, you know, drug addiction or drug usage or whatever. And I was like, it's like – okay, my dad was out there doing his thing, like, he could have just been honest with me, and eventually he became honest with me, you know, about what he did as he was younger, Um, and I think that's just the same thing with, you know, sex, menopause, menstruation, whatever you want to, you know, life in general, is that we have to be transparent to a point to be able to get the point across, like, hey, this is this is what's going to happen these are the things that you can do um and uh well I think
0: and, knowing that you give you've them been down a foundation makes yes. a big difference knowing that right. you've right right you had a period one time and you bled through like my mom never talked about mm-hmm. that time she had an accident or you know what it was like to have her first child and you know how it felt. my mom never talked about those things and I would handle that very differently with our kids because there was just no conversations about that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's always good to know that other people's experiences and that you're not having to face all this alone and go through it scared, you know. Um, And I've always wanted our kids to be able to come talk to us about anything. That was Mm -hmm. a big thing that I took away from my parents because I could not talk to them about everything. Still don't, still wouldn't. And I hope my youngest would say, no, he can't. But my oldest would probably say, yeah, I pretty much can. And, I mean, he's come to me about things over the years um, and can be fairly honest. And sometimes he's honest later. <laughs> I think that's yes. common. But yes, we do have an open portal, and he knows I love him unconditionally. And that was one of my goals. So as we talk about that, like, what were some goals you had in being – a daughter i mean raising children being a mother that you definitely knew you want to do differently than the way you were parented martha
2: well and i think you know we've we've kind of gone on a tangent here about the, the menstruation and the sex and all this and and that we is like part that of the tangent another, we get
0: down it you <laughs> know we do. To regularly here on midlife
2: moxie um but i i wanted both of my children to know um, how much they were wanted and how much they were prayed for and how much they are loved. And they do know. And I, I also wanted them to, to know and understand there was no favoritism. Um, both loved equally. Try, you know, you, mothers and daughters have a different special relationship. Even
0: This is from the favorite here who's talking. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Um,
2: I, you know, basically, I wanted them to know that they were created for a purpose and they are created to love other people and they are very loved themselves. And, you know, and, and as Gail wants to say, yeah, I have two perfect children. They're, they have, everybody has their faults, right? Everybody. Um, but I am just always, you know, encouraging them and super You proud are blessed, of them though. In you, everything.
0: And they, it, it, I am blessed. I know. You can be fantastic parents and wind up with some problems. Yes. But it's I know you do and David were incredible parents yeah. both. And blessed by well, God, you, know, we, you do have amazing kids. You do.
2: Well, and we have amazing relationships. Like, they want to come and do vacation with us. And our son is asking and sending, you know, like, here's the RBO listing for this house. And, you know, he and his wife want to do the things with us. And that's, again... I'm going to take it back to a testimony to my mother because my mother would plan the big family vacation every summer, but we're getting a big house and we're all going. And that was, you know, the last vacation we had with her was uh, this time last year. Mm. And uh, she, uh, of course, we didn't think she had any health problems. We, it was She had lost her husband a year before and had been grieving. But she and my daughter shared a bed a king size bed in the condo. And then so our son sweet. and his wife had theirs and my husband and me and the relationships was that, you know, we we are a family. We wanna to be together and and Elise did laugh. Her name, uh, funny about having a room with her grandmother. <laughs> and I said, You know what? In all of my years, we never vacationed with my grandmother, with my mother's mother. We would go to her house and stay, but we never went places. Never certainly would have shared a bed with her. That would have been a no no. She was quite prudish. But my mother was just letting it all hang out with Elise. And this is so funny. She was like, Mom. Every morning when grandmommy stretches and gets out of bed, she poots.
0: And I said, yep, (laughs) that happens with old age. It's going to happen. I love it. I mean, what a beautiful intimacy of, you know, (laughs) connection across those generational boundaries. Because we never went on vacation with my parents as adults, not even my parents. They just wouldn't hardly do it. But, you know, I know this from talking to you too. You also in later years you included your in-laws on these trips too yeah. so it wasn't yeah, just biology it. it was this and my parents were very against that you don't mix this this our side of family their side of family they didn't like it when everybody was together they were very weird about that but I've watched you bring what? your husband's family in and all operate as one big happy family Well, um, so there was a circumstance, a little change, and
2: my husband lost his younger sister, um, tragically, at Mm -hmm. 55. And that year, we knew we wanted to do something different that would be a different family tradition. And so we blended the Thanksgiving and had his parents come with my mom and her husband, and our, our daughter came, our son was not able to make it. And it, it was beautiful, you know, and, and now that we've moved them here to be closer to us and we're their caregiver, it's, you know, I, as Gail loves me to say this, but they raised a great man that I got to marry. Mm. And,
0: you know, I... I firmly thank God for that. And I honor that. It's one of the coolest things them. you say about them and mm-hmm. the way you honor them. And that the reason you honor them is because you have what you have. Your family looks mm-hmm. like it does because of the decisions these two people made. And I, I just think mm-hmm. that's just a beautiful testimony. I just can't yeah. imagine saying it any, any what better. It, so what about what you, it? Christina? Like, what have you done differently? What were you committed to doing differently?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: with the, with raising my son,
1: what was I, was I committed to doing differently? You know, um, for the first six years of his life, I didn't know any better. You know, I was a, I was a really young mom. So I, I was 22. I mean, that's young nowadays, right? Um, when I got pregnant and, and had him at 23 or 21, 20, whatever. I was 23 when he was finally here. And, um, I just, when I got sober, I realized that I wanted to do something different. I wanted to redirect him instead of telling him no. I wanted to um, learn how to um, affirm him without it being unhealthy. I wanted um, – to show him like, hey, if you ever have problems in this arena with any sort of addiction, here are the places that you can show up. I was really transparent with my son about my addiction um, and still am today, you know, because it's important for him to know that that even though that happened, there was a way for me to, to restore myself and restore the relationship with him. And so... Uh, Restoration is always available, you know, and so that was that was a really big thing. Um, I worked really hard not to over uh, get get overly excitable about certain things. Like the first time that he started dipping and doing, Mama got really mad. Mama was like, "Dude, we talked about this. Like, this is not good." And my son was seventeen. Okay, I don't know about. Th- you know what kids do nowadays but from what i understand it starts really early and so my son was like a late bloomer when he started to dip and do but it was out of the you know the wanting for him what i never had for myself was just you know graduate from high school get married then have you know get excited about dipping and doing then have babies then you know do those things just do them in the right order because you know, I didn't, his dad didn't. Um, we've, we've turned out really great human beings. However, we've had some really hard times and we just didn't want him to, to suffer through those hard times. Like I love did. that you
0: were honest with him about that. Look, this turned out okay, but it mm-hmm. might not in your case. And exactly. That's so hard to talk to your children too, because my first child was not planned. I was married. Um, And I was on the pill, but something happened and, you know, it was okay, but it was pregnancy sooner. So you can't say that that was really planned. And, um, my, our second one that was planned, we didn't know my second one, if we could even still have children, I'd gone through a divorce. I had actually tried to get pregnant with my first husband, never did. Um, I mean, pregnant a second time. I was in my mid-30s, my husband was in his 40s, you know, who knew? And I've been on the pill for a long time, and we're like, okay, I'll stop this pill, and we'll see what happens, and boom, I'm pregnant. Hmm. And when he's acting up, he likes to make all these comparisons where like, "Uh, you were actually planned, so shut (laughs) up. Um, So (coughs) he always tries to act like he's not as loved as the others and things like that. You know how they are. My Mm -hmm. boys are so manipulative. So, you know, there's just, I've tried to be very open with them and them be open, like I said, to come and talk about anything. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would think I was very intentional about was being more affectionate with them and telling them what I loved about them, being very touchy with them, huggy, kissy. My son, my oldest, will still walk up and hug me and just, you know his arm around me and I love that the 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 second one we we still got some work to do he's he's in that um feral phase let's call it (laughs) where he's just acting him you know doing his thing he'll be back um or prodigal phase but I really tried to be more tender and affectionate I also tried to have things that made them feel special like we like to give really elaborate birthday parties and um my youngest was a big fan of holidays. So we would like make something special on St. Patrick's day or, you know, do this special just to make them feel special and feel loved. Cause there were things my parents did that made me feel loved, but it was all, it was more around security and Mm. that kind of thing, protection, that kind of stuff and rules and boundaries. Whereas I wanted that affection and, and emotional and physical touch and closeness. So I've definitely parlayed that forward. Um. So, what are you telling your daughters about menopause, Martha?
2: Well, are you? I mean, Elise has seen it in me. We um we are tennis partners. We've been playing for about ten years, and so she has heard me complain about uh, the heavy cycles I was having and the issues I was having coming into you know perimenopause. And, and I shared all that with her. She knew it. And then hot flashes and needing to be cooled down. And so she has seen it. I think she's like a little bit horrified. Like, this is not something I want to happen. <laughs> well, guess what, sister? Here it is. We're, we are women. This is the way that our, our bodies are going to be. So, yeah, I've been pretty open to, to telling her how things have changed. There are probably some things that I haven't ch- told her, like how, Things will change with regards to sex, um, dryness, all of that, pelvic floor therapy. You no, know, I haven't shared that part with her, Gail.
0: <laughs> have you told them that we might pee ourselves?
2: Oh, yeah, she knows that because I have said that during a match. I'm like, oh, I just went up for that overhead. Guess what? <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, slightly, think- slightly
0: horrifying to her. We're not trying to shock them, but I think we came into this so unprepared, and I think if we had known more and had more education and more knowledge that this was just very normal, that our experiences would have been different, because face it, the first time you pee on yourself, you're like, what the heck? Why did I just urinate on myself? Or, you know, the first time you pass a huge clot, I swear, the first time I passed a really big one, I'm serious, I thought it... I thought, am I having a miscarriage, you know? And there was no one to ask because I didn't have that kind of relationship with my mom. So I really hope that that's one thing we're doing with the generation going forward, that we are going to talk about things that are natural, and there's nothing to be ashamed of with periods. You know, we came up in the age, you guys can probably relate to this, like I remember being in middle school. And was horrified that people would know that I was on my period or that I even had a period. And I remember vividly one time my purse getting picked up by the boys. And they started throwing it around in the common area. I was terrified that a maxi pad was going to come flying out of that purse. And I just really want for our daughters to never have to be ashamed of being on their period. And what if someone does leak? We all leak. So what? Let's be a better, you know, don't make that a big deal. Just say, hey, you got a little spot on your pants. You know, we're all doing it, just like we're all tinkling on ourselves unless we've had some really good vaginal floor therapy, you know. So I hope that these conversations <laughs> do change the experience for other people and that they, they don't have to live. Because I remember that was, it was very stressful fear that the boys especially would know i was on my period and knowing that we all are going to be on our period why would we set it up to be so stressful and so secretive so that's really what i hope we'll see change and that it won't be a big deal it'll be just like breathing and just like you know anything else we do it's a bodily function there's nothing we can do about it i mean in our final moments here what y'all say about that
2: Well, I've seen my son be very compassionate with his wife. They've been married five years and and she has endometriosis and Mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. And he's even, you know, shared with me these are the things that she's going through. And if we were on vacation and she didn't get up out of bed and he would come out and say, Yeah, she's got cramps today, I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry, you know, he's very compassionate and very open to, you know, chatting about it. And in fact at Christmas she was having surgery and so we cancelled all we couldn't get have get togethers. Of course, she came out of the surgery with COVID, <laughs> but anyway,
0: yeah. Um, but
2: yeah, he's, I think we're very open to the things that we talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. I think, I think we're going to allow women to live better lives when they don't have to go through stresses of this feeling like they're alone or that it's something to be ashamed of. Um, and there's something that can be talked about openly and in a way that causes other people to have empathy and compassion rather than us just walking it alone in corridors and bathrooms and, you know, in a way that's, you know, very lonely walk for women. So, gosh, we've covered some ground today, Mm -hmm. y'all. I want you to know I respect you both as moms. I think you're doing a great job with your kids. Um, You've raised some great kids and I love you both, and I love the work we're doing together, and I love that Martha could be part of that today, because yes. you know me. My, my friends have to all be involved in all the things. My friends know that. And they have to know each other, so I'm grateful for y'all being open and honest, and I just hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day, and mm. Martha's sending you big hugs, as this will be your first And I know you'll miss your mom greatly. And I still, I do miss my mom at times, even though we weren't great friends. But my grieving was very different because we weren't day-to-day besties. And so I'm sensitive to that with you. I know that's a big deal. Um, It doesn't mean I don't love my mom, but it was just different. And I think all of us have our different walks. And I think a lot of it... We recreate, like I wanted to create stability for my kids because my parents did that. But then I think we all have those things that we're like, mm, I'm going to do that a little differently. So kudos to you both for being great moms and for doing this. And just want to wish all our listeners a happy Mother's Day. Christina, yes. any final words? You know, I know
1: I think this this episode said it all, you know, just uh, becoming intergenerational with the generations to come and, you know, starting conversations that are difficult maybe and really being open to, um, transparency with your children. So that way it can grow and it can't, you know, it, it can only help as long as we are engaging in a right way. So, um, uh, Martha Joyce, mm-hmm. I just appreciate that you are here today and, um, so excited to, uh, Just have you along with us. One more little
0: thing I want to add in. If you did not have the relationship you would have wanted with your mother, just know that that doesn't necessarily mean anything about you and that you can go and have great female relationships. Just seek those out. Fill that void. Fill that need that if you have it. And, you know, no parents are perfect. And, you know, we have to take the good with the bad. And we'll not be perfect parents either, but we'll just strive to do our best. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: well, what a great episode, Christina. Until next time, what do we always say? Go and get your moxie on. Bye-bye now.